saying that your promises never fail. We believe that. Um, we know that you have um, promised us your presence with us. Um, you have promised us to, to walk with us and to, to love us unconditionally. And we thank you so much that today we are not in this journey on our own, that your presence is with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And I just pray now, God, as we look into the material for today, that you would speak to us, that you would help us to line ourselves up with what you want to accomplish in our lives. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're wrapping up this series, Inner Healing. And my prayer has been, and my prayer continues to be for all of us, that through this, maybe there's been some things that have been brought to the surface that maybe you've wanted to keep hidden. But I trust that also in that, uh, you've been able to receive some help and some information and also just the fact that we're willing to talk about the pains of our past and the, the wounding of our past. Now, I realize you all know that we've just scratched the surface of this topic. Um, there's much more that could be said, but also with that, I, I trust that you understand that there's support and there's, there's help for you if you're struggling in any way. And so if... In the midst of all this, and if you're, you're trying to sort through some th things, just know that we as a staff and we as a church would love to pray with you. And, and we also would love to you know, help you find, if you need, professional support. Going to counseling and, and finding support through that. And I'll just throw this out there. I know for myself how much counseling has helped me and how it has helped me bring healing and bring information and just support to those areas that I needed to process. In week, looking back really quick, in week one, we looked at the five different types of wounding. We looked at wounds of aggression, withholding, event trauma, betrayal, and long-term duress. Last Sunday, we looked at our memories. And we talked about semantic and procedural memories and how we all have these, but they don't really, they don't really bring out any emotional response from us. And then we talked about episodic memories. Memories that we have that do invoke this re emotional response and sometimes that can feel today as real as it was back then because of the pain or because of the joy that that memory may elicit. And so today what I want to do is we want to look at the connection between our wounds and the rest of our life. What role, what, what way do we work through our wounding and what impact have these wounds maybe have had in our lives. How our wounds are connected to our response to life situations. All of us here have moments in our lives and, and we may find ourselves sometimes all of a sudden there's a life situation and it, and it seems to re-trigger something in us. And we struggle to understand like how does, this, how does this all connect and I'm hoping today that as we go through this you'll be able to see in the diagram that I want to use to help us to see visually of how the connection is made. I found this diagram online um, through a lot of uh, research and, and study of people that have worked in this field a lot. And so again, this is not my material, but I'm using this. 
Um, Terry Wardle has been a huge um, asset to me in this, and so I'm using, again, some of his, his notes and his material um, because I think it's important for us to learn from others. And so I have learned much, and I hope to be able to, to share some of that with you. Now, if you have your Bible app with you, today would be a day I would encourage you to use it because I have put the diagrams and all that in there. And if you want to save that for later, you have to hit save because after the sermon is done, it vanishes. And so make sure you hit save. But if you're taking notes today, I want you to draw a picture sort of a V. And so on your right and left-hand column, you have life situations. And then in the bottom of the V, you would have wounds. And it would look something like this. And then just, just draw, leave yourself some space in between because we're going to fill in some information. And so write life situations in the top and left corner because life happens. All of us have life experiences, different things that we go through Coming here today was a life experience. Um, going out for lunch today is going to be a life experience. And, and sometimes in these life experiences, all of a sudden our wounds are triggered. Something comes up and, and we're going to look at that a little bit more. So what are the connections? What are the words? What are the things in between our life situations and our wounds that often cause us to respond in a certain way? So underneath the word life situation, we're going to now look at the left-hand column. You'll see the word dysfunctional behavior. And so life situation is the context in which a person lives their life. This is, this is how you live your life. And it is in this context where we process our pain and we process our joys. And underneath this, you have this functional behavior. So you're going through your day and you're going through life and all of a sudden there's this behavior that, that is just not what it should be. Functional behaviors are sinful things that we do in our lives as a way to either protect ourselves or to get what we need or to get what we want. Our dysfunctional behaviors are formed out of our wounds. They, they may be triggered, and there are moments in our lives where you know, someone, something happens in our life situation, and all of a sudden we find ourselves responding in a way that, that hurts others, that, that creates you know, pain in other people, and that it's an unhealthy interaction with people, or even an unhealthy interaction with ourselves. Sometimes a dysfunctional behavior could be self-harming, it could be harming other people, it could be saying words about ourselves. It's things that should not be there. Then underneath life um, dysfunctional behaviors, you have this emotional upheaval. So you have life situations, something happens, dysfunctional behavior, and then underneath that you have these emotional upheaval, feelings that seem to be out of control at times. Someone says or does something, and all of a sudden the feelings that you're experiencing or maybe even out of proportion with what was said. You may have found yourself saying something like, I don't know why that bothered me so much. I don't know what it was about that person or what they said that caused me to behave this way or to, to feel this way. They may say, serve us well in the moment. Some of these you know, um, dysfunctional behaviors, we, we can protect ourselves, but out of that we have this upheaval of our emotions. We find ourselves in a situation and in certain circumstances, and all of a sudden these strong, strong emotions are created in us, and they seem at times like they come out of nowhere. These feelings, these emotions could be shame, they could be anger, they could be betrayal, they may, you may feel labeled, you feel unworthy, um, and these are the feelings as a result of dysfunctional behavior. And this is the part of this cause and effect that you will see in this left-hand column. That you have 
dysfunctional behavior, and it, if it causes these emotional, this emotional upheaval, and then you have this emotional upheaval, and it causes dysfunctional behavior, and you'll see this constant tension, this constant back and forth between these two. Our wounds create feelings, and as a result, we do things that we may otherwise not wish we had done. But let's continue to move down this left-hand column. What creates these emotions? What are they based on? Why do we suddenly have some of these feelings of shame? Why do we have some of these feelings of being unworthy? So as you go further down on the left-hand column, you end up with lies and false beliefs. Our wounds cause us to believe lies about ourselves, about others, and about God. Lies like, you're no good. You can't do anything right. Lies like, you're not lovable. That God doesn't even love you. That God is somehow absent. That God is angry with you. Lies that say that you're undesirable because of something you've done in the past. Lies that say that everything is your fault. You're never able to do it right. That you're guilty of something that you're not guilty of. That you're guilty of something that you didn't even do. And we could continue. There are thousands and thousands of lies and false beliefs that can be created in us. And they all stem from our wounds. And we see this pattern of going back and forth. Lies are created which causes emotional upheaval, which causes behavior, which results in us behaving in life a certain way. And then you see it going back down the other way where life happens and it causes dysfunctional behavior which causes emotions which causes us to believe the lies that our wounds have created. And so we can move back and forth, up and down this left-hand column and it creates this mess for us to constantly work through. And this is why it's so important for us to work through our wounds. Because life situations will happen. They will trigger the wounds of our past. And we find ourselves often doing things that we really wish we were not doing or behaving a certain way or feeling certain things. And all of this, again, is on that left-hand side of going through this. And our, our life situations are impacted by our wounds. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to draw a line between uh, dysfunctional behavior and emotional upheaval. And the reason I want you to do that is because I want you to see this. That this is often where we stop when it comes to working with things in our lives. We stop at dysfunctional behavior. We, we decide that if we can just behave properly, if we can just do the things that we should do. For example, if you struggle with anger, if I could just work really hard to not have these outbursts, if I could just work really hard to not yell at someone or to hit someone or something. If I could just avoid those things in my life that make me angry or the people in my life that make me angry, then the behavior is taken care of and I'm happy. Behavior, you know, usually is one of those things that this is all that we want to focus on. If we could just not be angry, then suddenly everything would be good. Behavior is usually, like I said, where people stop. It's also usually where we, you know, even with people that we go to for help, they may stop there. Pastors may say, like, well, if you're do not doing those things anymore, then you must be good. And so often we recognize that there's more to it, but we stop at behaviors. Say a person is struggling with sexual addiction. 
they may come and ask for help, and maybe they go to parents and ask for help, or they go to friends and ask for help, and their, you know, the response would be something like this. Do you realize that what you're doing is no good? Have you asked for forgiveness for what you've done, for what you've looked at, for the things that you've engaged in? Then they're told to change their behavior. You know, get off the internet, get filters, get software that would, that would block and that would report, get an accountability partner, don't go online at nighttime. Change the behavior. And the sad thing is that often we never go beyond just changing the behavior. Now hear me carefully. None of this is wrong. None of this is bad. Changing your behavior should be something that we work on. But I want us to understand that in and of itself, just changing our behavior does not address the feelings and the lies and ultimately the wound that the person has. It polishes the person's life, but it does not address the greater need. And sadly, as a result of only working with behavior, the outcome of that is often shame because I cannot behave the way I should, guilt because I did it again when I said I wouldn't, and hopelessness. You just feel hopeless. I keep trying to stop. I keep trying to do this, and I can't. And suddenly you have this person who, who feels guilty and shameful and, and just hopeless because the behavior keeps recurring because we need to go beyond just changing behavior. We need to go further and deal with the wounding that is here, that is in our lives. Well, our lives should line up and our behavior should line up with Jesus. We must understand that Jesus does not simply want, and he didn't die so that we could have polished behavior. Jesus came to fully set us free. Our key verse, Isaiah 61, we've used this many times and we'll look at it again today. Look at what it says here. And this is the verse that Jesus quoted when he first started his ministry. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captive. And release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Then you will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is so much more. What these words say Jesus wants to do is so much more than just the changing of behavior. It is about being released from that which brought about the behavior, being free from the captivity of our wounds, having the strength to stand tall and to stand firm like a mighty oak tree. Jesus didn't die to simply paint over the ugliness of our sin. He came to remove it, to erase it, to fully bring healing. Jesus died and rose so that we could have complete freedom, not just behave better, to go beneath the pain, to go underneath the wound, to uproot this thing once and for all, and to find our identity in Christ. And through him we receive this deep inner healing. 
So that's the left-hand column. I want us now to look at the right-hand column. Because as you look at this V, you have your wounding, you have your life situations on your left and right now. Let's look at the right-hand column. You see that we can, through prayer, through intentionally engaging with our wounds, we can find full healing. And when Jesus meets our wound, the outcome is different. After Jesus touches our wounds, suddenly our wounds are experienced differently. They, they bring about new meaning, new hope. Instead of lies and false beliefs, we now have truth. Truth about who we are. Truth about our identity. Truth about who's guilty. Truth about our worth, about God, about people. We see that we are loved. Not because of what we do, not because of how well we do something, but we are loved because God chose to love us. We also see that our love from God is unconditional. That you can do nothing to remove God's love from your life. No matter how messy your life is, no matter how many times you mess up, God loves you unconditionally. Now suddenly, because Jesus has touched this area of our lives, we're able to experience this truth and, and have this truth. We also see that we were created in God's image, that we were created for relationship, that we have not been cast away. Truth is that you are not rejected, that you're worthy. You've not been pushed aside. You are chosen, that you are loved. You have, you have a promise, you have potential. In spite of your wounds, you can still do good. You can still accomplish God's plan. You are not somehow now out of the realm of what God wants to do. Your opportunity for ministry, your opportunity for serving people is not dismissed. God uses broken people. And you see that when Jesus touches our wound, all of a sudden truth arises and we see ourselves as God sees us. We're not damaged. We have value. We belong. We are wanted. We are appreciated. Truth then brings and leads us to peace. We are no longer dealing with the emotional upheaval that is caused by lies and false beliefs. Because we're not listening to the lies, we are now able to see ourselves as we truly are. And this brings about stability. This brings about courage. This brings about strength. Suddenly, when you see yourself for who you are, you are confident to be who you are. When you're constantly listening to lies, this is emotional upheaval, and eventually you don't know what you are, and you don't know what you feel, and you don't understand what to stand by because it's not based on truth. We respond on the, the right-hand column, out of our identity, which is grounded in truth. Now our, our emotions are based on what is true. That while we still have pain, while life still hurts, while there's still brokenness, we are now experiencing this inner peace in the midst of those storms in life. There's something incredible, incredibly powerful about having peace. That while we may still go through the hurts, while the memories may still be raw, while the pain may still be there, we do not allow that to shape us anymore. In the presence of our wounds, Jesus gives us peace. Our wounds are now seen through the person of Jesus Christ. And this allows us then to live by the Spirit, to be guided by the Holy Spirit, to experience Holy Spirit's presence 
and to work within us, to live for the purpose of something greater than ourselves. Our, our behavior now is not just about responding to emotions and responding to life. Our behavior is now such that it is rooted in the truth of who we are in Jesus. To experience an inexpressible joy. To have hope that goes beyond what we would ever think could be accomplished in ourselves. To see ourselves as not the ones who are the source of our strength, but to see that we have our strength in Jesus Christ. We see that we can help others. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can go and minister to others to experience life situations to the full by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So now we're back at the top. And now life triggers on the right-hand side. Life triggers. And instead of responding with dysfunctional behavior, we now respond through the Holy Spirit through the guiding and through the leading, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly we will find ourselves experiencing life in a very, very different way because we've allowed Jesus to come and to do his work in that area of wounding in our lives. Where life happens, now suddenly when our wounds are triggered, our response is not as it once, as it once was. I want to show you something that I think is important for us to see because many times what people want to do is they want to jump across from dysfunctional behavior to life in the spirit. We want to move horizontally. And so we have behavior that's not the way it was. And so we want to quickly move across to life in the spirit. I want to, I want to stop doing this and I want to live for God. And so we tell ourselves that if I would pray more, if I would read more, if I would serve more, if I would do more, if I would believe more, if I would have more faith, then suddenly this dysfunctional behavior would become something that would be honoring to God so that our dysfunctional behavior will not look as bad. I want to be really careful here because I think it's important, again, that we are understanding each other. Obviously, there is nothing wrong with reading your Bible more. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with praying more. But in, again, in and of themselves, they cannot bring healing if all we are working on is changing our behavior. If you're struggling with an addiction, if you're struggling with a mindset, if you're struggling with doing certain things that you know that you should not do, God wants to do more than just change your behavior. He wants to heal the source of what brings that behavior about. So you cannot move horizontally. You cannot just simply go from here to there. You must allow God to do the work. We must be willing to go down into the wounds of our lives. To allow Jesus to come down into our life and work in those areas. To carry out his healing. To bring about his presence, his power into the area of our lives where we are wounded and where we are broken. This will not be easy. I want to reference a person today that maybe you know about, a Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom experienced imprisonment at the notorious concentration camp at Avonbrock. And she suffered incredible cruelty there and a couple of other places as well because she saved the lives of approximately 800 Jews during the Holocaust. 
She once said this, and this is a person who understands pain and wounding. She said this, the object of our greatest pain can become the source of our greatest blessing when offered to God. The object, object of our greatest pain can become the source of our greatest blessing when offered to God. Now do not hear Corey say that God wanted you to be wounded. But we need to begin to recognize that although God did not want us to be wounded, that when we are wounded, we're not now somehow discarded. God can use you. And the very thing that maybe at one time was your greatest sorrow, God can bring life to. And again, that is not to say that he wanted that. But he can take what was broken and he can bring healing to it. Corey Tamboon's life, she found herself after she was released, she found herself becoming more and more angry at the informant who had betrayed their family. And then one day she found out that he was going to be sentenced to death, or that he was sentenced to death. And she decided that she needed to and write And after a word that man was sentenced. And after a word that man was sentenced to death, because he had caused the death of many Dutch people. And when I heard that, I wrote him, Your betrayal has meant the death of my old father was 84 years old when they brought him into prison. After 10 days, he died. My sister, who died after 10 months, terrible suffering. My brother, he came out alive with a sick man and died through that sickness, and his son never came back. I myself have suffered terribly through in three different prisons, but I have forgiven you. And that is because Jesus is in my heart. And I sent that man a New Testament and underlined the way of salvation. And that man wrote me that you could forgive me is such a great miracle that I have said, Jesus, when you give such a love in the heart of your followers, there's hope for me. Be able to forgive someone. If you know her story, you know what happened to her sister and the horrible way that her sister died at the hands of, of guards. And so we've come now to that place in this series and that place in this sermon where we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing with our wounds? And this is a very difficult question. This is, this is where many of us would like to just stomp that thing down and and cover it up and hope that these wounds will never surface. Or maybe we have even gone so far as to we've justified our wounds. And we say, well, it's because of what happened to me. It's because of what I, I experienced in my life. It's because, of, it's because of this or this. That's why I am the way I am. That's why I behave the way I do. Or maybe we want to just pretend they're not there and hope that they will not surface. And every now and then, there's these glimpses of it popping back up. So we've come to that place now where we need to decide what are we going to do with our wounds, with our pain. So I want to invite you today to do two things. And this is a journey. You've heard me use that word many times. This is a journey. This is not 
a one-time quick fix. This is a journey. But the first thing you must do is pray. We must start with prayer. But listen carefully. We're not talking here about simply saying words over our pain. Not here about just using mere words to say, Jesus, that person hurt me. Would you help me? But rather we start with prayer, inviting Jesus into our woundedness. To present our wounds to him. And to ask him to be present with us in that area of wounding. And then to create a safe place in that area for us. So that we can suddenly now go back to that wound. We can go back to that memory. We can go back to that moment in our lives. And now in that moment, in that space, there's a safe place where we can dwell and where we can find healing. See, sometimes we don't want to go back to our wounding because the memories are too painful. They're too difficult. So what we do now is we invite Jesus to come into that space with us in order for us to be able to be safe in that place. This kind of prayer is intense. And this may sound silly, but if you exercise praying like this, there's a few things you need to think about. One is your breathing. All of a sudden you may find yourself, you, you're, you're breathing faster and because you're, you're going back into that place of pain. So, so be conscious of your breathing. Breathe slowly. Take deep breaths. Breathing alone can help us to relax. And as you calm yourself, maybe you want to say words like, Jesus, join me in the memory when I was being hurt. Jesus, would you stand with me when I was told this or this or this. Jesus, would you come with me to that moment when I was abandoned? When you, would you come and be there, stand beside me when I was told that I was no good? Would you come and be there with me in those nights when I was so terrified? And what you're doing is you're opening this space this incredibly broken place. And you're opening it up and you're saying, Jesus, would you come into this space with me and would you make it safe? Because my whole life, that memory has been nothing but damage. I want to be safe there. I want to go back there and deal with it. And so would you come into that space with me and make it a safe place? So again, as you pray like this, this is intense. So be conscious of your breathing, but also I want you to take notice of your emotions. What are you feeling as you pray that way? Do you feel unsafe? Do you feel afraid? Do you feel silly? If whatever emotions come up, I want you immediately to say, Jesus, I give this emotion to you. This wound always causes me to feel silly. This wound always causes me to feel shame. I'm giving you that. I don't want to feel those things anywhere, anymore. I want to experience truth. I want to experience peace. I want to experience life in that area of wounding. I want to experience healing and freedom. Satan would love for us to stay locked in our fear. He would love for us to stay stuck 
And Jesus wants to release us. So we start by praying and we invite the presence of Jesus into the space so that healing and freedom can take place. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John 8 36, So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ died, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And for some of us, our wounds have become our slave masters. It's where we're enslaved. Jesus has come to set us free. So you pray and you invite Jesus into that place. And the second thing that you must do is when you can, you must forgive. You will need to forgive those who hurt you. You may find yourself harboring bitterness and anger and ill will towards the person, towards the the situation. And you will need to release yourself of that by forgiving. And you might feel like you can't forgive them. Or may ask, at what point will the memories go away then if I have forgiven them? Know that forgiveness is hard work. It takes time. And it feels unnatural. But it's part of the journey. So as you start forgiving, I want you to be aware of a few things. It will feel sometimes like you're just trying. It will not feel real. Or maybe you can only manage certain parts of it. And maybe it feels all scattered. One day you're forgiving and it's like, oh, I feel like I got somewhere. And then the next day it feels like, what did I even do? You may find that you can forgive one day and hate the person the next day and then forgive again the next day. Forgiveness is not a one and done. So if you have forgiven someone and then struggle with the pain and the emotions and the memories again, I want you to know this, that you need to now see yourself as a forgiver. That's important because that's something you've chosen to do. Your wound may be there. Your pain may be there because someone chose to hurt you, but you have now chosen You have now chosen to be a forgiver. You are free to choose, and you did it. I want to read to you a quote, because it's important for us to recognize that forgiveness does not erase our past and our memories, but it's part of setting us free. It goes like this. When an individual has sincerely forgiven others and genuinely been willing to accept God's forgiveness then there is no reason to mull over life's injustices. The memories will return, sometimes when they are least expected, but these memories will have decreasing power. Forgiveness must come first, and then complete or partial forgetting will follow. I pray that you would be willing today to move towards healing. 
And as, as much as I hate to tell you this, no one can do this but you. But you can do it. If you keep reading the book of Isaiah, you're going to hear some promises made. Isaiah is told about how God binds up our brokenhearted, and then in verse 4 he says, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. You may see your part of your life as something that cannot be restored, and I'm here to tell you that God can restore you. That what was once devastated does not need to remain that way. In verse 6 he says, you will be called priest of the Lord. Maybe your wound has somehow made you feel like you're disqualified. Somehow you do not measure up. You're the one that God doesn't want to look upon. No, you are called a child of God. Your wounds do not label you. Jesus is who your identity is in. Verse 7, he says, instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. Everlasting joy will be yours. So today I want to invite you, if you've started this journey, to continue this journey. If you've never started this journey towards healing, would you start today? Pray. Jesus, come into this area of wounding. And as you are ready, you can't force forgiveness. As you are ready, begin the journey of forgiving. I want to invite you again today. If you want to stay after, there's people here that are willing to pray with you. There's people here that are willing to, to speak with you, to sit with you. You don't need to be alone. But don't leave just because you want to get out of here. Begin the journey if you need here. And if you're like, man, I'm not ready to do this here and you want to leave, then I would ask that you would just quietly make your way out. But let's leave this space and this time as sacred. I've walked through these sections yesterday praying for you. Praying that you would experience new life today. So let me close in prayer. And then as you need, would you stay? And would you begin this journey? God, we thank you so much that you do not leave us as orphans. You do not leave us broken. You've mend us. You heal us. You're the God who fights for us. Maybe there's some here today, God, they're too weak. Would you be their strength? There's some here who don't know where to begin. Would they begin by just sitting with you, with their Father? And I pray, God, that as we begin this journey, that the healing that needs to take place in each and every one of us, that it would be accomplished in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you have all authority, not just in outward things, but even in the inward things of our lives. Holy Spirit, you know all things, even the thoughts of God. So there's nothing hidden from you within us. Holy Spirit, we invite you come. Reveal to us what we need to see. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
God bless you. And again, please exit quietly if you can. Thank you.